your reality is spiritual. His truth is his truth. And if we can align with God's reality, we will finally be living by reality. How y'all doing? <laughs> Sometimes I'm amazed y'all keep coming back. <laughs> you must uh you must have a big belief that he's taken us somewhere. Anybody? <laughs> okay. Me too. Me too. You know, uh as I'm praying about the message even just this morning the Lord kind of put on my heart um I was actually kind of talking back to him. That's the truth. And I was going, you know, half the time you're asking me to teach things that are like um, so far beyond myself. Like, how can I teach that? That's like way, that's like so beyond me. And, uh, and I believe I really heard the Lord say, no, I'm not asking you to do that half the time. I'm actually always asking you to teach things that are way beyond you. And I had the realization, um, isn't that good that that's the way he thinks um, about me, first of all, but that's the way he thinks about you. He's, um, he's always wanting to do things that are far beyond you. I mean, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want just like me, right? You wouldn't want what um, I'm capable of. That would be a pretty severe waste of time, let me just tell you. Okay, we want... Um, he has callings on us that are far beyond what you're capable of. Just tell somebody he's got plans for me that are far beyond what I'm capable of. Amen. That's the truth. We're going to talk about that this morning. We've been focusing on um, the body of Christ, um, that we are his body. We carry on the same ministry he carried on. Um, we've been looking specifically at, at his severe call, severe, okay, serious, important call that first and foremost, we love each other. How do they know that you're his disciples? But you love each other. Isn't that funny? It's not, even, it's not even that you go out and love the world. Of course, that's evidence of miracle. Um, before Jesus, I, had, I was not a loving person, okay? I was as self-centered as it gets, and I still struggle with it. But, um, but he says that we're known as his disciples because of, because of the lavish love we have for each other is the witness of the glory of God, Right? I'm going to start, okay, so I'm going to talk about the body, but I'll tell you, I'm just going to lay some, um, some groundwork here. I'm going to ground us in what he says about who we are as the body of Christ, who we are as individuals. Um, let me say this. You're, you're going to know this pattern, this truth from the word of God as soon as I say it, but it needs to be said. Do you know the entire pattern of the word of God is, is that he, uh, he is full of mercy and grace, for the individual. Thank God, right? Anybody? Thank God. Are you guys with me? Okay. And there is nothing that can go outside of his mercy and grace. Okay? So even when you read in the Old Testament, um, you know, God is outside of time. His, his sacrificial work, he already knew that he was going to complete it. The blood was already covering or there was no such thing as mercy even then. Are you tracking with me? Okay, now I want to tell you what you also see from cover to cover is his wrath 
and his severity when there's harm to his body. So back in the Old Testament, when you see people from within, um, from within their own, of their own people, harming the corporate, harming Israel as a body, you see great wrath, you see great harshness from God, don't you? And um, things are just even coming to my mind, thank you, Jesus, as I'm just even going right now. You see it in the New Testament. Okay, you still see harshness, right? You know God didn't change. The covenants changed, but he didn't, right? You hear me say that all the time here. But you hear stories like Ananias and Sapphira. That's New Testament, okay? When you do things that are harmful to, to the body, when you're outside love in the body, then you see God's severity, don't you? And yet, there is none more merciful for, them, for him when you approach as an individual, in a spirit of repentance, right? Amen? Are you with me? Are you breathing? Okay. All right, I'm going to ba- get back on track here, but that's what we're talking about, okay? Open up with me to Exodus chapter 3, and it begins at, here I am, right? Verse 5, it says, Then he said, Do not draw near to this place. Take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, now God identifies himself. I want you to notice this. He says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. And goes on, he says, and the Lord said, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt. So Jesus is always concerned about his family, right? His body. His people. Is he still concerned about the Jews in Israel and everywhere else in the world? Yes. Is he concerned about us as a body? Okay, that's what you're reading here. And he's saying, um, he's seeing their oppression in Egypt. And I have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I've come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up from that land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey. He's got plans for him. Do you realize this is, you're reading about yourself. Do you, do you know he has milk and honey planned for us? He's got abundance, lavish love planned for you. Did you hear that? <laughs> to the place of the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now, verse 9. Now, here's why we're reading this. Verse 9 says, Now, therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppressed them. Now, here it is. He speaks to Moses and he says, Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Now, listen, I'm going to read just next, but track with me. <clears throat> what you're reading is the, the moment of calling. And I'm going to show you in a minute, but you're also reading um, how important it is to hear, to, to, to actually have an intimacy, a relationship where you hear, you hear the voice of God in your calling. I'm going to prove it. I'm going to show you why, okay? Um, but just for now, notice that this is the moment where God is, 
is speaking a calling to Moses. Okay, are we good? Okay, then verse 11 says, but Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt. Notice it started, God, God wants to have an encounter with him, presence. It's all an encounter. You know that all this information only positions you. <laughs> the life of this is Jesus. The life of this is his presence. Okay? So what's going on here? God shows up. Moses says, here am I. God speaks a calling and Moses says, who am I <laughs> that I should do that? You see the progression? Now I'm going to show you something. He says, who am I? And verse 12, God, God says to him, I will certainly be with you. Now there's only two interpretations here. Either God is confused and he wasn't really listening to what Moses' question was or God is answering Moses' question. Are you following me? Moses' question was, who am I that I could walk out a calling that is so far beyond me, that is so outside of my capability? Isn't that what Moses is asking? And how does God answer the question of who he is? I'll certainly be with you. We could keep reading, but I really just, um, as foundation, we, we have to start there this morning. That is exactly the conversation that he has with you. You go to, God is speaking a calling over your life. He's speaking a calling over your life. And, and our response, Our response is to say, who am I? Like, are you kidding? That is so far beyond me. You want me to teach what? You want me to do what up here? You want me to love this person? How? Who am I to do such a mighty thing that is so far beyond me? He's telling something that is true about our identity as called ones, as children of God. Are you tracking? He's saying, do you know who you are? You're the one that I go with. (laughs) <laughs> because I'm, I'm calling you, I'm asking you to do things that are far beyond you, that, that uh, even with the most training and skill and brilliance, you cannot accomplish the impossible things I call you to. So who are you? You're the one that gets the way to my presence, that gets my ability to accomplish calling. Amen. gotten to the point I really have no interest in doing the things that I'm capable of (laughs) because it really doesn't accomplish much Um, do you know that the work of God is a miracle period everything that he wants to do you know where it says the word of God where does it say the kingdom of God is it's within you that means that any advancement of the kingdom of God anything that he wants to do is an impossible calling Can you do anything in the heart, in your own heart, first of all? Can you really do anything in your own heart? Can you do anything in the heart of the person sitting next to you? Does God have mighty plans to use you for the heart of the person next to you? He calls you to impossible things. (laughs) We are to be the people of the weight of his presence. See, I'm going to... 
Um, uh-oh, here I go. Um, don't laugh at me. It doesn't... <laughs> go with me to Isaiah 42, verse 8. I'm going to show you something. Um, and actually, I have to tell you, that this joke came to my mind this morning as I was preparing. And actually, it's not really a joke. It's funny, but this is actually something that my son came and told me about. I guess it, it happened at school or something. And so it's really, as far as I know, this is a true story. Um, this isn't like an internet joke. Um, <laughs> supposedly, right? The state's a matter thing? Was it, It's a true story. Okay, so he says what happens is the teacher has them, she's, she says, um, what are the three states of matter? And the kid says, um, um, just without breaking stride, the way he tells me the story, he just says, Colorado, Nebraska, and what, Minnesota. <laughs> you see, now what did he do? You just change one word, and you completely change the whole meaning. He thought, what are the only states that matter? <laughs> and that was matter of fact for him. I don't know if that was like his favorite sports teams or how that happens. Do <laughs> You change one thing and you change it all. Now I'm going to show you something. I'm going to show you how we change one thing and we end up with a powerless, faithless theology. Okay? How many of you came here this morning um, because you were expecting God? <laughs> okay? You know, it's very possible to come here and have no expectation whatsoever that the presence of God is here. What a waste of time. We should go barbecue or something. <laughs> Especially at my barbecue, because I know the presence of God is very powerful at my barbecue. <laughs> I, I'm serious. We're, we like hang out there. It's <laughs> but he is here, so it's good news. Um, Isaiah 42.8, did I tell you that already? Okay. Here is where he's talking to Isaiah. This is in Isaiah's calling moment. Okay, and he says, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, and new things I declare. Before they spring forth, I tell you of them. Now I'm going to tell you what's been done with this. <laughs> I've, I've lost count of the number of times I hear this being taught. I've even seen in textbooks where this is teaching that he doesn't share his glory with you. I mean, that's kind of what it says, right? It says, I will not give my glory to another. Notice that it's talking about he doesn't share his image with graven images of him, with, car, with idolatry, with things that are not of him. I want to tell you something, and I'm going to prove it. So for, so for those of you that go, oh, is that true? Hang on with me because I'm going to prove it. But here's what I have to tell you. He says, I will not share my glory with another. You are not another. <laughs> you are the body of Christ. I'm going to show you how he prays over you. I'm going to show you that you are one with him. You are made you are designed and pre-planned before the foundation of the world to carry the glory of your calling, which you know your calling is his glory. You have a unique way like no other person that ever lived to carry that glory. He doesn't share his glory with another. That's why we're, we're moving up towards Easter here, Resurrection Sunday. 
okay? He accomplished the work that made it possible so that you're not another, so that you could become a part of the body of Christ in the blood of Christ and be one with him, okay? Now you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are precisely the location where his glory is to reside. Go to uh, John 17. I want to show you how Jesus prays, how he prays for you. Okay, verse 20. It says, I do not pray for these alone. This is Jesus praying. Um, but for all those who will believe in me through their word. Okay, he's talking about you, right? That's who he's praying for. And, he, and what does he pray? That they may all be one as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be one with us, that the world may believe that you sent me. And listen, and the glory which you gave me, I have given them, that they may be one just as we're one. Do you see that? Jesus just said that he's planned you for that glory. <laughs> Why is it important that you're one with him? Because he doesn't share his glory with another. <laughs> Are you tracking? Okay. Look at somebody and say, I'm not another. <laughs> I am his body, the place of his glory. Okay. Now we're going somewhere. This is just, we're just getting started. We're going somewhere. And uh, okay, verse 23 goes on and says, I and them and you and me that they may be made, now listen to these words, that they may be made perfect in one. It's what we've been talking about for like a month. How are you made perfect? In one. Are we good there? Okay. <laughs> It got really quiet. I don't know if that's in more intense than I realize. That's how you're made perfect. In one. And that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you've loved me. Now listen. Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am. Now look, you, just, you were given two things. One, you've got to be one. Why? He doesn't share the weight of his glory with another. Do you know what his glory is? It's the glory means weight. It's his presence. I, I guess I need to tell you this. Glory, he doesn't share the weight of his presence, of his active ability to redeem, save, bless, hold in life the weight of his glory. What I pray for every, every Sunday morning before we start here, every, time, every ministry over this place, I'm always praying for the weight of his glory. Why? Because otherwise we're wasting our time. If the weight of his glory is not present, we should go home. Amen? And then, so that's the first thing, that we're one with him. Um, and the second thing, I need to quit going down <laughs> Holy Spirit rabbit trails. I'm losing my place here. Um, okay, and that they may be made perfect in one. Oh, that you may be with me where I am. Why is it important that you're with him 
where he is. Do you got this? It's where the presence is. Now let me show you something. Go, go with me to Hebrews chapter 10. And uh, ver- verse 11. Here it says, and every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sins. But this man, speaking of Jesus, he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Where is he? Is that the right hand of God? Have you ever thought about the fact that he sat down? That's like, drop the mic. Kind of thing. Isn't it? Isn't that right? He, the word of God says he sat down at the right hand of the Father. That's where he's at. Now listen, it says from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. Why is, this imp- why is it important that you're where he is? That's why. It's authority. <laughs> okay? It's the authority It's where all authority issues from. It's the authority to accomplish the impossible things that he's calling over your life. There's only one place that kind of authority to do impossible things comes from. Amen? Who needs convincing that you're called to impossible things? Go ahead and raise your hand now. We'll get a bunch of people to pray for you. (laughs) Now listen, um, it's at verse 14, I think I'm at. Yeah. It says, for by one offering, that's his death, that's Easter, we're approaching it where we celebrate it, okay? By one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. This is such a strange sentence. You got, you got it. He's, he's, um, he has perfected. That's past tense. Go ahead and look at somebody and say, I'm perfect. (laughs) Go ahead. Tell them you're perfect. Tell them you're perfect. (laughs) How hard was that? I just want to tell you something. If if that's hard, if that was hard for you to say, talk with Jesus about it. Because what you just said is true. We either believe the word of God or we don't. We either believe what Jesus speaks over you or we don't. And he says that you're perfect. Do you know that you cannot approach the presence of God unless you are perfect? That's what the word of God says. And he says you have bold access to my throne. Do you know that you don't access, you don't even begin to approach access to the throne of God unless you've been made perfect in the blood of Jesus Christ? This morning, you sit there perfect. And it's so important that you know that. Otherwise, you know what will happen? You won't approach the throne. And you won't be accomplishing anything. You won't be experiencing any of the joy. of the, He doesn't need you to accomplish things. He invites you because he loves you that much. Because he's got all kinds of joy planned for you when you do impossible things. <laughs> but you're not going to do impossible things. No joy. <laughs> unless, you, unless you talk with him in the throne room. Unless you approach the throne where all authority comes from to do impossible things. And to do it, you've got to be perfect. 
He said, be perfect as I am perfect. I can't tell you how many times in my life I've read that scripture and I've thought to myself, oh my gosh, I'm sunk, (laughs) right? I'm never gonna get there until I got a revelation on it. He says, be perfect. What do you gotta do to be perfect? You come to this table. (laughs) You receive the perfection that he he bought for you. You're perfect. And if you're not perfect, you're really in trouble. I mean, you really are. You have to be perfect to be in the presence of God, period. Amen. (laughs) Okay, but now look at this weird sentence. It says, he has perfected forever. It's that secure, forever. Those who are being sanctified. Isn't that something? Sanctified, set apart, and being prepared for purpose. Say purpose. (laughs) You see, if you weren't perfect, you can't even get into the presence to have the conversation about calling. But when, when you do begin to have the conversation about calling, you end up in the presence of God where you're going, oh, who am I? And he's saying, he's saying your identity is that you're the one I go with because I have all kinds of impossible things planned for you. So why is it important that you're one with him? You're destined to be the glory carrier. And he doesn't share his glory with another. So you've got to be one with him. Why is it important um, that you're where he is? Because all ability, all authority, all blessing comes from that throne. You've got to be seated with him. In Ephesians um, chapter 2, verse 4, It says, but God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespass, made us alive together with Christ. See, this is the mystery of the fellowship. Do you all know the mystery of the fellowship? We do so many funny things with the word fellowship. The mystery of fellowship is these two things we're talking about, is being one with him, (laughs) and being filled with that authority, being seated in the place where he is. That's the mystery of fellowship. That's what you're reading about when you read about the body of Christ and his spirit with us when we gather. That's the mystery of fellowship. It's not not, um, a great party or man we like to be together. That's really important too and that's fun. But the mystery of his fellowship is the glory, is the weight of glory that he puts in his body when we have love one for another. The, The ability of the throne of heaven to accomplish the will of God. That's a weight of glory. Amen? I quit reading why um, I'm specifically reading this because of verse 6 where it says, and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Where is he right now? (laughs) 
seated at the right hand of the Father, right? So where are you right now? Seated at the right hand of the Father. One with Him. Seated in the seat of authority. So you can have that weight of glory. You know, um, I, I feel like I just need to share this before we go into a time of ministry. Um, let's define calling, first of all. Do you all know what calling is? And you can have more than one right definition, but this is what the Lord gave me this week as I studied his word. Do you know calling is access to authority? Did you know that? I mean, think about it. Think about the biblical characters. Did did God, Old Testament, New Testament, I don't care who they were, did he ever grant abilities or favor or spiritual gifts or anything else outside of the context of heaven spoken a calling on them? You never see that, do you? Do you know why? You know what spiritual gifts are? They are the empowerment to accomplish your calling. You often, you often find people where um, people like me <laughs> most of my life where you're going, Lord, show me my spiritual gift. I want to know what gift I'm supposed to operate in. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good thing. It's just what I've found is it's when, you, it's when you have a word of calling and you begin to walk in it, no matter how foggy, no matter how murky, you don't quite sure know where you're going. When you start to walk, he begins to manifest himself. Why? Because you're walking in your calling and spiritual gifts are the empowerment. They are the empowerment for the accomplishment of what he speaks, of your identity being, man of him being manifest in your identity, your calling. Does that make sense? You see that, um, <laughs> you see it's all about his presence. Um, you know that um, spiritual gifting is not being good at something. Do you know that? <laughs> it's divine empowerment to do impossible things because you're called. I mean, think of, let's do this. I feel like I need to say this. Think of Joshua, okay? He's got this calling on his life. He's got a calling to to take God's people into the promised land, right? And you, you can think of all the mighty things, all the manifestations of God's ability from the authority of the throne to get them from, from here to where God's taking them through the leadership of Joshua. Are you tracking so far? Okay, can you imagine any of those manifestations happening if Joshua wasn't walking forward in his calling? It wouldn't make any sense at all, would it? Because divine empowerment from the authority of the throne to do impossible things, to accomplish the will of God is, is a natural manifestation of walking calling. When the word of God says pursue the gifts, You know that that's, he's having a conversation with a people that are in an intimacy with him where they understand themselves to be called people. They're, they're walking in something. In fact, 
In fact, um, in, I believe that's in 1 Corinthians where he says that, pursue the gifts. In fact, he says pursue the best gifts. You know, he's writing to a people that are walking so confidently in the awareness of calling that they're starting to screw it up. I mean, they're kind of like, ah, they're doing, they're starting to go crazy in all of it in the exuberance and the joy of seeing what God's accomplishing and everything and they're needing to be exhorted. Like, like guys, remember, God's in charge of like, you know, they're being reined reined back and bring things back into a little bit of control because they're so sure of calling and that's why at the beginning of that book it says um, that they lacked no spiritual gift because they were a very, very called place. So, um, look, here's what I'm getting at. Um, I can't. Okay, now we'll do this too. Um, <laughs> do you know that spiritual gifts and, and then I'll tell you what, here what we need to say do you know that spiritual gifts are disturbing <laughs> it's, it's true do you know why that is they're not of this world <laughs> okay the manifestation of divine ability to do impossible things is not of this world The authority of the courts of heaven filling calling and making God's will happen is not of this world. In fact, um, they put Jesus to death because he was so full of it, the Spirit. He was so full of the Holy Spirit and was so in the flow of doing what he saw his father doing that um, it was so disturbing on his life the authority of heaven operating, they had to kill him. And in fact, we read the same thing about it from, um, you know, as, as you read in Acts and you see God forming his, his early church. <laughs> it's very disturbing. They followed in Jesus' footsteps. They had to kill them guys too because they were walking, they were walking in some authority. <laughs> they were one with him they were they were seated where all authority comes from and they had no lack of the manifestation of divine ability to do impossible things <laughs> yeah spiritual gifting shakes shakes religion to the ground you know was what religion is form without power it's going through motions without the weight of his presence in it, right? So obviously when he shows up and begins to, give, to grant a weight of his presence, it's disturbing. It disturbs stuff. Okay. No, I guess I have to stop. Stop.